Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some wonderful people helping us along the way. Now, with so many opportunities and demands made on children today, it can be hard to balance sports and homework activities, and yes, if we can muster it, downtime for our kids and maybe even for ourselves. How do we help our children and our families make decisions about what to commit to and what to forego during the already busy school year? We are right at that moment in my own house as my daughter signed up for violin this year within her school, but was learning piano last year after school, learned guitar this summer at camp. So do does she do all three right now? I'm not really sure. And let's not forget that she also takes gymnastics. And mom, can I take horseback riding too? Oh, and Hebrew school. We've got that also. And did I mention I have a son? For him, soccer, mad science, and yes, Hebrew school starting as well. Just looked at all the options and and, you know, it can make a parent tired. We give ourselves a lot of pep talks about how we want our kids to be in different things and experience different parts of life. And kids might as well be doing something productive. And isn't it better for them to be around other kids, expanding their minds, seeking their passion, moving their bodies? And if yes, which direction do we go? And how can we re remain grounded, sane, and happy in the process? For a discussion about sports and homework, after-school activities, downtime, and how to get it all in our schedules, or not, we are turning to our guest, KJ Antonia for a second time. She was here in March talking about how to be a happier parent. Five years of editing the Mother Load column for the New York Times taught KJ Antonia this. Family can be a source of joy, not stress, but for many of us, it's not. Her reporting and research on parental happiness led to her new book out this month entitled How to Be a Happier Parent, which is an encouraging guide to help parents find more happiness in their day-to-day -day family life. She writes regularly on the personal and policy aspects of parenthood for the New York Times and other publications and is the co-host of the Hashtag AmWriting podcast. KJ lives in New Hampshire with her husband, four children, and assorted horses, chickens, dogs, and cats. Welcome back, KJ, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. We have a lot to discuss. And at this point, in the right before the school year start, starting, or for some people, school year has started, I feel like there's so many things that apply to your book and all that you write about. But before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you and read your new book yet, of course, can you tell us what got you so interested in talking about our topic of the day, about balancing or making decisions about all that goes on in our children's days and schedules? Well, I think I have to take a little nap first, just from hearing <laughs> what your daughter has got in mind. Um, and
And and that's part of it. I hear that over and over and over again. So as you said, I spent um, I I think six years writing and editing the Motherload at the New York Times, which became Well Family. I contributed and helped to edit that there as well. Before that. I was working with Slate, and the, the sort of cumulative effect of all of that is, is twofold. First, I have talked to or interviewed or, or sort of, you know, read or otherwise just been with literally thousands of parents who are sort of in the same boat that we all are. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I am that parent. I um, was, when I wrote most of the book and when I researched it, working full-time. Now I'm a, a full-time writer. Um, I mean, I've always been a full-time writer, but like I had the actual job at mm-hmm. the times, which it's just, you know how it is. It's mm-hmm. just, it's different when you're sort of um, responsible to others. Uh, and my husband was working full-time as well. And we have four kids who, some of whom really just want to do all the things. And we would find ourselves, you know, like sort of, I mean, we, we would block these schedules out and then look at him and realize that, you know, in, in our mind, we must have had a teleporter because <laughs> exactly. we can't even get to the things that, that we've got on there. And it was just such chaos. And at the same time, I started, this is kind of long, but I started talking to researchers about what's important for ki- kids. I talked to um, Denise Pope. She's at Stanford. She's got a great book out about overachievers. I can't remember the the title right now. Mm-hmm. It's really geared for educators. Um, you know, Jess Leahy, obviously, Julia, Julie Lithcott-Hames. And just talking to people about the importance for kids of having both downtime and also time to make their own choices about what they do when, when they have time. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the sort of idea that you don't want to shoot your kids out into college at age 18 having never had an unscheduled minute because mm. they're going to have a lot of them. So that's a good point right there. Really <laughs> you don't want them to be embarking on an adult life, never having had any unscheduled moments in their life. That is such an important idea. And so often, you know, as I mentioned in my intro there, I mean, there's no lack of activities to sign our children up for these days. And so... And they sound great. I want to learn to cartoon. (laughs) I want to play the guitar. I want to learn, you know, lettering and and horseback riding and and all that. I mean, who who wouldn't? It's true. To to which I say, parents, you should do one too. But, um, you know, we really just can't do all the things. You got to make choices. And downtime is one of the... most kids like their downtime. And let's, I mean, let's be real about what we're doing with it. It's Netflix time. It's Snapchat time. It's like, you know, lay on the floor. And for us, when we were teenagers, it's lay on the floor and talk on the phone to your Mm -hmm. kids time. Mm -hmm. For our kids, it's text with their friends time. That's okay. It's still important. Like you need, you know, you need to feel as a kid, like you've got time to do those things. Right. And you mentioned that going from activity to activity does not qualify as downtime in your book. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's not about not, the fact that you're not doing something. It's actually about what you're doing with your time that you've chosen. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so you kind of have, I mean, when, when you, so just to, to leap straight to like sort of talking to a teenager who really wants to do all the things, mm-hmm. they kind of have two, two choices of a way to look at it. And they're pretty similar to our, what we have as adults, which is either, you need to recognize that you want, you know, an hour or two to yourself 
to to diffuse, to Snapchat if that's what you want, to read, to um, you know try out new forms of eye makeup or whatever, just just to do just random things. Or you need to shift your mindset and realize that that play that you've decided to do on top of all the other things, that's that time. Mm. So because you, you can't come home and then add that two hours on top of it because then you don't get the sleep. And when you don't get the sleep, mornings are worse. And mm-hmm. when mornings are worse, everything is worse. And you know it that's just so sort true. of accumulates on top of it. So some of it is about the way that we think about these things. And that goes for parents too. When you make the call to let the kids do the extra thing, you need to have looked at what that's really going to mean for your driving time, for your meals, for the way you plan your meals, for your evenings and the point when you're able to get home and, and you know, try out new eyeshadow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you have to make a call. Either don't do it because it's too painful or because it's going to mean you're up until one in the morning or do it and say, this is what I have chosen to do with my downtime for the next three months, and I will never do this again. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or and I love it, and it's fine. Yeah, you know, it's, it's in your book you talk about, and I think it, you just talked about this in an article as well, you know, when it comes to all that we can schedule from, you know, the sports to the instruments to the cool art to mad science that my son's going to be doing, what is the reasoning that you find parents wind up wanting to sign their kids up for so many things, aside from the fact that the kids say, I want to do this. What is, what is it, what is it about? Why do we do this to ourselves? Well, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little depressing. It's about a lot of it is about, sure. There's this element of, yeah, I want you to do these fun things. I would like to do these as a kid, but Mm -hmm. there's also an element of competition Mm -hmm. and control and a little fear about our children's ability to, um, to become adults and to, you know, just leap them, leapfrog them all the way forwards to college and beyond. You know, can they be successful? Will they be able to do what I do? The world is so different. Getting Mm -hmm. into college is so different. Careers are so different. Um, I don't know what, I don't, uh, it's hard to guide them now. So maybe if I just, you know, help them to explore all the things and, and, you know, have all these wonderful opportunities that, that will somehow, um, that will help them, that will fix it. I guess it's hard. It's really hard when you're worried about the future Mm. to choose to do nothing. Mm. Mm. Good point. Good point. And would you say then that there's a danger for being so busy? I mean, is there is there a, a fallout from this? I I think that in some can for some kids and for some families, there absolutely is. Um, there's what we mentioned earlier: the sort of danger of getting to college and never mm-hmm. having had to make your own schedule. Mm-hmm. That you know that can lead to bo- either the sort of the stories that we hear about kids going into their advisors and sort of going, well, I don't know what to do with, you know, I don't know how to fit my homework in. I don't know how to build my schedule or it could lead to them sitting and playing Fortnite all day. Um, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) seriously, I was thinking you'd go to class. Um, You know, I think we can all, anybody with a boy of the right and some of the girls too, but this is a, let me just say it's a cool game, much more appealing than a lot of them, but um, you know, that would be an expensive uh, Fortnite game, though. It would be very expensive <laughs> to send them off to college and pay tuition for them to do that. Yes. So there's that. There's also just 
that burnout, the, mm-hmm. the overwhelm that you hear from kids, particularly in communities where things are very competitive, where people really are go, 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 where you can definitely feel like, well, you know, if I don't have a special batting coach, um, I'm never going to make the varsity mm-hmm. baseball team. If I don't make the varsity bars- baseball team, I'm never going to, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so in communities where everything is getting gamed up, and and ramped up the kids do feel a lot of pressure um and they also feel it from their parents from the mere fact that we're signing them up from all this stuff and and sort of you know encouraging them to do all this stuff it makes them feel like they they have to or they're Mm -hmm. not going to be successful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is kind of a scary feeling i think Yes, it is a scary feeling. And you, you, you do, you have this thing in the back of your head. Also, you're like, you want your child to find the, what they love and what they're good at. And you feel like, um, you know, that you're actually being a really terrific parent because you're like, wait a second. I, I, I'm not just putting them in what I want them to be in. Like, right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just say, try it all. And then, like, yeah. it, then it winds up try it all at the same time, <laughs> which can backfire <laughs> a little bit, it seems. Well, and it's important to realize that exploring things on your own is totally legit. Like, you know, um, for example, the guitar, you can noodle around with that and you can do YouTube and you can learn an awful lot Mm. um, on your own if you're motivated. And if, uh, you know, for some of this stuff, if your kid's not motivated enough to do it on their own, they're probably not. And I'm not speaking to guitar or music here, Mm. but but then it's probably not their thing anyway. Mm. Um, and maybe there is something that they're never, I mean, there, you know, there are things out there that there aren't classes in mm-hmm. that maybe they would find if they were sort of just, if they had a few hours to just sort of wander around and try to figure uh, regularly, like constantly, not like here's your three hours. Yes. Good luck. Find your passion. <laughs> Go find your bliss. <laughs> I mean, you know, your kid might want to like, origami might be their hobby or, um, you know, becoming a nail artist. Um, I don't know this stuff. You'd never sign them up for a class for that. Let's, let's give them time to just mess with stuff. Yes, I agree. It's actually how we found out that my son was so interested in rocks, you know, (laughs) again, geology. He's just outside collecting random things. And there were always items on my countertops in my kitchen, which drove me (laughs) bananas, whether it was acorns or feathers or sticks or rocks or some kind of better butterfly wing that was left behind you're like right dude man what are we do you feel like we should directly address that another reason for putting your kids in lots of after school stuff is of course because you're at work yes good point um, yes we are yeah, we're at so, work we need to do things sure right right so um you know if if because that's that's like just and that's like a societal challenge that we're all dealing mm-hmm. with school ends at three most jobs don't. Right. So everybody is sort of trying to resolve what to do with their kids, especially younger kids, mm-hmm. between three and five. And even teenagers, you don't necessarily, it just depends on where you are and who they are, mm-hmm. whether or not they can come home and fend for themselves or whether there's somewhere that they can go to have that downtime. You know, maybe there's, in our community, a lot of kids go to the library and that sort of thing. But when you're in that boat, then you've got like, 
the need for them to be somewhere, mm-hmm. the need for someone to get them to wherever they have to be. Mm-hmm. And here I am going, and they need downtime. I mean, it's, it's I don't want we don't want to add pressure exactly. To, that, exactly. to that world too. Right. There's, so I guess, you know, there's, there's after school programs that can, can be more downtime oriented for younger kids. Um, I guess if you've got somebody driving them places and already, maybe they could, maybe they can be home. I don't know. That's a tough one. That is, that is, it's always a tough one. It is a tough one. And I have to admit that we're in that same boat, even though we work for ourselves, it's not like I can have an eight and a nine year old running around the house, you know, asking for, you know, this and that, and can you help me with this and that? And can we, you know, go to the park and we do these things when I have to, you know, work or my husband needs to work. So right. even in a, in a situation where you don't have to actually be in the location where you're working away from home, sometimes you you need your child to be out of the house or occupied with somebody else simply because you can't attend to them at that time. You have meetings or whatever. And, right, you know, or just because it avoids that three o'clock pickup. Exactly, exactly. You know, if they could just go somewhere else for an hour. Right. No, that's <laughs> some, it. Some days are like that, that right? Is. Exactly. If they can stay after school for the hour because they're taking mad science or, you know, some kind of instrument, then that gives me that extra hour to just, you know, either get to the store or finish work. And then I, you know, I'm I'm much more accessible uh, to do all the things. And one of those things is homework. And I'd love to talk to you about that. Um, (laughs) So we want our children to be responsible and show their best work, or at least their pretty good work when they do their homework. And I know some, you know, some schools don't do homework. Some teachers don't do homework. Other teachers do lots of homework. But it's hard to schedule in, and sometimes, you know, it's kind of war to get it done. I certainly have friends who, you know, have told me that their kids really fight them on it. So what are your happier parent secrets uh, to to help the parents uh, who are listening embark on that incorporating homework into the daily schedule and still stay sane and happy? The happier parent secret to better homework is just some, it's some, not something you do. It's something that you know. So every single teacher or principal or administrator that I talked to, and there were a lot of them, said basically the same thing. When we take charge of our kids' homework, either making sure that it gets done or making sure that it gets done right or making sure that it gets back in the backpack or making sure that it gets to school, we have defeated the entire purpose mm-hmm. of the homework. I knew you were going to say something like that. And I'm yeah. Like, you know, you're like, yeah. wait a second, which so, part of that do I do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we all we all do because, like you said, you want your kid to do your, your be- their best work. And also, there's sort of this vague feeling of obligation mm-hmm. to the teacher that, um, you know, that's, that that's somehow supportive of them. And some schools do see it that way, but, yes. but I, most don't. Mm-hmm. And the deal yeah. with homework should really be that it's not yours. Mm-hmm. You've already done your homework. <laughs> um, you, know, you have presumably Could already you write that passed. in a note? Yeah. <laughs> Sign I, it she's for done. us. <laughs> Dr. Silverman's homework is finished for her entire life. Um, yeah. So you can legitimately just back off from it completely. And there's some rewards for that. And one of them is that now you're not the homework police. Mm. 
It's not your fault there's homework. You're not the one making them do the homework. You're not the one telling them that the homework is wrong. And all of that emotional burden and stress around the homework can leave you where, honestly, it's way more fraught than it is with the teacher anyway, because that's just the parent-child relationship, Mm -hmm. and sort of flutter its way back to the school where they will impose any necessary consequences and, you know, do any necessary additional teaching. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's the deal. That's the, that's the trade-off mm. that we make with them. So to, yes. to, to let that be your kids, it's just, um, and, and I don't, let me just say it's hard mm-hmm. and that it's also kind of a process. So there's nothing, you know, you kind of go from, um, you know, do you have any homework, especially with, you know, with kids who are just starting to get homework, mm-hmm. or if you're trying to do those complicated afternoon schedules that maybe involve, you know, maybe you're caregiving for an older parent as well, and you've, you know, you've got to, you've arranged to take the family to see them tonight, or, um, you know, you've got, there are pieces that have to be put together often around the mm-hmm. homework, especially as kids get older and the homework takes more time. So you may need to know. Um, and also you may need to just help the kid who's just getting started with this to plan. Okay, you know, you have, you're, you're, if you've got an hour's worth of homework, I just want you to know you've got soccer after school. And realistically, even though it's done at 4.30, you're not home till 5.15. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're supposed to go have dinner with grandma at 7. So that's going to be tough. You're just, you know, you sort of have to help them to see a picture mm-hmm. of the night. But you don't have to do that part where you're like, is it done? Let me see it. You got this one wrong. Um, or the part in the morning where you're like, do you, do you, is there anything? There's this sort of fine line between being helpful. Um, you know, hey, I just saw your blue folder on the table. Do you need that? Right. Totally do that. But not like, do you have your homework? Do you have this? Do you have that? Because that... That, sh- that should be on them. Mm-hmm. And it's better when it's on them. You mentioned, you said in your book, and I like the way that you were sort of heading things up. You were saying, like, how your kids does his homework and what is the homework and what is the homework for and should you do the talking when there's a problem? How could thinking in these terms, just sort of like asking yourself those questions of, you know, how you regard the homework and whose job this is and how you speak up for it. How can that kind of help our children in the long run? I mean, I know how it can help us because we're kind of taking the onus off of ourselves, but then how does it help our children in the way that they regard their homework? Well, it helps them to learn to take full responsibility for something before they have to, Mm. before it matters. Mm. Um, You know, eventually you will get to a point where this stuff, you know, has long-term ramifications. Depending on your kid's plans, it probably is going to matter in high school. Mm -hmm. It's certainly going to matter in college. So you want them to take it over Mm -hmm. before it matters. Before you're sort of going, man, if I let you decide whether or not to do your homework and it's your junior year of high school that's maybe not, you know, Mm. that's a tough one. You want to do that in sixth grade. Right. So there's that. Um, And also for them to learn to go and advocate for themselves with a teacher if they're having trouble understanding something Mm -hmm. or if something is taking a really long time and they don't think the teacher is understanding how much homework that Mm. that they're assigning. First of all, that 
is a really great skill to learn. And sure. secondly, it's going to have a lot more effect than you doing it because teachers are bored with all these parents going, my little snowflake, you know, whatever. But when your child goes in and is able to even, I mean, even if they cry, you know, even if it's really hard, but is able to say, to the teacher, you know, I'm struggling with this, or you said the, told the class that this should take 15 minutes, but it takes me an hour, and I don't, I don't know why. Um, that's going to have meaning. It's going to lead to more change, mm-hmm. and it's good for the kid in the long run because then they feel like, and I can do this. I don't need yes. my mom to do this for me. I can do it. Yes, I, I agree with what you're saying, and you know, just to put high beams on that, that. You know, when the stakes are low, that's when great lessons can happen. But, right. you know, it doesn't much matter. You know, the, the outcome is not as dramatic. You know, now you're not going to have an F on the test because you decided not to study in 11th grade. You know, you, right. you're, you'll fail the pop spelling quiz, you know, in yeah. fifth. And that, that is much more manageable. So I, I think that you're making a really good point there. And the idea of your child being able to speak up for themselves and talk to a teacher, it's scary to do that. First, you know, even though the, the yeah. teachers can be like the nicest people, it's scary. It's still for scary them. for them. Yeah. So and they can, you learn. can't let them, you can't like let them take the easy way out no. and do email either. Cause it's not going to matter. Right. They have to man, you know, man up and woman up. They mm-hmm. have to go in there. Um, they have to, they have to actually do it, but it's so good for them. And let me just say, this is hard. Yes. It, it's it's then the older they get, the harder it is mm-hmm. because it does start to matter. And you can see them sort of, you know, you can you, you can watch it happening. You can see them sort of, you know, leaving the Spanish vocabulary till the oh, last minute until yes. you're sort of looking at them and just going, you can't learn. You know, <laughs> this is I mean, you have you have turned this into a physical impossibility. Mm-hmm. Um and realistically, you can do it all through junior high and, and middle school and elementary school and still watch them do it in high school mm-hmm. and it will be very painful. But uh, it's I, I'm convinced it's really good for them in yes. the long run. Yes, agreed with that. And, you know, it's it's an important thing for them to practice. And overall, I mean, it's not going to happen once. It's going to be many times and hopefully over a period of time, not too late in the uh in life, they learn it and they get it. So uh, it's it's uh, it's it's important to put high beams on that because uh, you know it's so easy for us to remember the homework and put it in the bag and to yep. you know pack everything for them and to you know quiz them on spelling on the way out, even though they never right. asked. Or to look progress. over the math facts yes. and make sure that they got them all right. But exactly. really, then the teacher doesn't know that they didn't really yes. you know that they haven't mastered it. I, I agree with that. I, I was actually a little confused last year because the teacher told us that she wanted us to go over the stuff with them before she got it. And I was like, Oh, wait a second. I, I mean, I would, I did it, but I was confused by it because I was like, I wonder how she'll know, you know, that, that my child wound up getting this wrong. And, right. uh, but I, I also understand, you know, in this case, they, she wanted us to have like that extra teaching time, but getting on the same page with the teacher, cause I actually wrote yes. an email to her just asking, I was like, are, are you, that's do, so good. You yeah. Know, do it. Is this exactly what you want? Cause how are you going to know? You know, Oh, we quiz them in, in school. Okay. You know, as long 
long as we're on the same page, um, you know, then then that's fine. Uh, and you know, if there is a question of whether or not you're supposed to be looking over the math facts or the spelling or the whatever, I I would say, you know, yeah, definitely yes. get in touch with the teacher just to find out what's my role here because right. I don't want to step on any toes or do anything that's going to well, compromise that learning. That sec that other question you mentioned is so is important is so important. What is the homework for? Mm-hmm. If the homework is so they have additional time just practicing the math math facts and mm-hmm. somebody else looks it over, mm-hmm. um, right. yay! Now you know that. Uh, if I, mm. I actually had one parent that I talked to who asked the teacher what the there was sort of worksheets coming home in kindergarten and she she said, you know, my child is really stressing about getting these right or whatever. And the teacher was like, oh, no, no. The whole the whole point of this is that she learned to put something in her backpack on Monday and get it back to me on oh, Friday. Oh, so cute. And yeah, what a like great Yeah, there's skill. nothing. I don't care. She can color on the worksheets right. as far as we're concerned. Right. The goal, because it was, a, you know, a school that sort of progressed toward, the goal was not, you know, to, to sort of have a night pass. Mm-hmm. in between and still learn to remember it. Um, so, you know, and I've, Similarly, like with a book report, the goal's not really usually, especially in like second grade, it's not to convey information about the book. It's to stand up in front of the class yes. and say something. Right. Um, Dress up you like the character. Get that, yeah. Once <laughs> you get that, well, it's, I mean, even that, like the point isn't your costume. The point is that you stood up and mm-hmm. spoke. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. That's really it, um, you know, about, about the, the topic. Um, and if the, if your kid is doing it and they talk about the main character's pony instead of the main character, the teacher doesn't. That's, you know, they I, think I needed to hear this last year when my son was yeah. in second grade and did one on Harry Houdini. I'm like, how much does he need to do on this? He did a very nice job. But I think you're right, though, that the point, the skill is to be able to stand in front of a class and yeah. say something and, and know that the or world is going to end. Note cards, yes, you know, the note cards. Yeah, or or to you know, they, they, like the the skills are are small and they're mm. like built from what they've already been doing, and the goal is that uh, you know they get up there and do it like a seven year old would do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Right. Because with the, when when you go to the go to school and look around and you see a, a bunch of projects made by parents, it's actually yeah. not all that helpful to anybody. Mm. So no. <laughs> so let's say. Uh, unnamed child comes to a parent and says she wants to learn several different instruments and go to gymnastics and maybe horseback riding because I do it every fall and go to Hebrew school and get homework done and maybe have some play dates. They want to do it all. And so what do you say to a child? What's What do you actually say, sit down, talk to them about when they come with, you know, this list or they keep adding things on in their heads, what do you say? Well, you get out a calendar, you mm-hmm. show, you know, you, you show the week, you show the blocks and you make sure to say, you know, remember that one of the things you like to do is have Maggie over on, you know, mm-hmm. is, you, you like to call me from school and say, can Maggie come home with me? Mm-hmm. And if you every afternoon you have no afternoon for Maggie or if Maggie asks you over you Mm -hmm. have no afternoon to to do that so um you know let's let's pick which of these Mm -hmm. you really want and let's make sure we leave at least one and maybe two afternoons for you know play dates and just hanging out with your friends and look this one you can do again in the spring Mm -hmm. or you know this one at, at night you can practice this instrument um, or we had a music teacher that would sort of do two. Mm-hmm. She did piano and violin 
at, at the same no, in the same nice chunk. Idea. Yes. Yeah. So that was nice. A lot of music teachers know way more than one instrument. They could even alternate. Mm-hmm. You know, this week we'll really focus on piano. This week we'll really focus. You don't need you know, half an hour of whatever every right. single week, just because that's the way that it's done. Right. So you can get creative that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe there's something that could be done on a weekend or once mm-hmm. in a while mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you really have to show them because they just don't get, they don't, they're not looking at that way. They're just sort of looking at, well, basically they're going, what would it be really fun to do this afternoon? <laughs> that's uh, true. Yeah. They're not looking at like a whole week. So they, they need our help to do that. And sometimes they just need to know. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Exactly. Or, you know, there's other people in this family. My mom, I right. asked my mom once, I said, mom, you know, I did gymnastics when I was little, but, you know, I always wanted to do, you know, singing lessons and I wanted to do all the plays. Why didn't I do more of that. She said, because you have two older brothers and they also wanted to do things. And I worked part time and you had to pick, you know, you just couldn't do it all. And I couldn't do it all. So you, you know, we, we picked gymnastics together. That's what you wanted to do. You know, and, and I guess at the end of the day, that's sometimes what, what has to happen. It is what has, I mean, in a lot of families, it's what has to happen for financial reasons mm-hmm. as well as timing sure. reasons. And that's, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's, there is some evidence that doing some things after school, you know, doing it is, is good for kids. There's no evidence that doing 12 things mm-hmm. after school is good for kids. Um, and another really important thing to recognize about all this stuff is that when you look back at gymnastics, you're probably going, man. I remember this as being less of a big deal than it seems to be for my kid. Right, right. You're right. You're objectively right. Mm-hmm. You can look at the history of, I have looked at soccer. I have looked at baseball. Um, you know, I, I have looked at like sort of the, the all the, the bees that there are now, the geography bee and everything mm-hmm. like that. Ugh. They they didn't exist. The ones that, they, they, they weren't as organized for young ages. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, there weren't as many practices. There weren't as many games. The travel team concept was not out oh, there. When it comes to like dance, there wasn't this whole, you know, and now you have to pay extra to do the recital mm-hmm. and the rec- to be on the, on the recital squad. And mm-hmm. then you get the special sweatshirt that nobody gets unless you're on the recital squad. We, as parents, um, we get gamed up. We really do. And some of it is just about people who love to do a thing, making it better for kids. Some of it is about money. Mm-hmm. and, um, you know, us having it and the people that sell these things wanting it. Travel kids sports is a $9 billion a year industry. Mm. Billion. Wow. Some, I don't remember the exact number, but some incredible number of trips undertaken by families with children in the last year were in the name of traveling for sports or activities. Wow. And I mean, I'm talking like, you know, 80% or something mm. like that. Mm. It's, and you, you didn't do that. I, well, I don't know. Maybe you I, didn't. Did I certainly didn't, no. <laughs> you know, I, and you may be in high school, you got in a bus oh, sure. we somewhere did with the debate team, but my but parents were not different. there. They were no. not, they did not go with yeah. us to those things. Yes. Yeah. So it genuinely is different and it genuinely can be hard to push back against. So when we have that feeling like I didn't mean to be doing so much too much, but suddenly we are, um, there's probably reasons for that that are not, you know, it's not like it's our fault. It's mm-hmm. not, it's just, it, it, it's hard mm-hmm. not to get caught up. Yes. Yes. 
I know that another issue that people talk about, and they certainly bring it to me a good deal since I do a, a lot of work in, in sports and activities, which I think are wonderful for kids. But I do want to ask you about your opinion on quitting, because I know you mentioned in your book, and it is an issue because it's a tough concept given that many parents have a very strong philosophy that if you start it, you need to finish it. Um, yep. And and I think that's a great philosophy, but it's also, you know, it can get a little wonky when you know, your child is extremely stressed out or just is crying all the time and dragging their feet and, you know, making it very hard. So what is your philosophy about quitting and how should it be done, if at all? Well, I talked to a ton, a ton of parents about this. And so the first thing that I'll say is that there are parents for whom music is totally different and you're not allowed to quit music. And music is just something that in our family we do. Mm -hmm. And so they they sort of just put that aside. Mm -hmm. Um, So music might might arguably be different because it's got a different sort of educational Mm -hmm. value and in some cases a different family value. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to other things like, you know, a class that you enrolled in or a team that you signed up for, most of the parents I talked to, you know, talked a lot about, well, um, you know, whose idea was it really? Mm-hmm, sure. You know, uh, and how old is the kid and how much are other people depending on them? Mm-hmm. That was an important piece of it. So there was a lot. If, if, if it was a team in which there were genuinely other kids depending on mm-hmm, a child, sure. most parents would make them finish out the season. Right. Um, because it's well, a routine it was early, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, but if it was early, they might, you know, make a different call. Also, the parents looked, and I think this is really good, at the child's reason. If your child is wanting to quit because they didn't get the lead, mm-hmm. then, you know, that's a big no. Right. Or, or and, and, and it should be. <laughs> and I, on the other hand, if you're a parent who's sort of out there, um, taking your child to multiple tryouts to see which is the best team that they make, mm-hmm. then you're messing this up for <laughs> other people. Um, that's that's just that's enough. <laughs> you got, it really is. It is really that what is. you're saying? Like that's you enough. <laughs> maybe yeah. You maybe need to sit down and, and look at why this is why why your kid is out there and what lesson your kid is learning mm-hmm. from that. Right. Um, so so that's a question, but. A lot. And another thing that parents said that I really liked is that they would make the kid do the actual quitting. Of course, as they should. Yeah. Right. right. So the kid has to walk in there and say it and hear the person say, well, you know, but this is the reason you could, you shouldn't do it and either stick to it or not stick to it. Right. Um, so I think the answer is that quitting shouldn't be easy after a certain point. Now, I, I mean, I think we can all agree that a four-year-old who discovers that they really actually don't like getting their hands in clay can probably quit mm-hmm. clay lessons or <laughs> whatever. Lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do they do in New Hampshire? We <laughs> <laughs> have clay lessons. <laughs> There's a place where you can spin the pottery on the wheel. Of course, most like you do it as you before, should. But uh-huh. yes, <laughs> I get it. So, so there are some situations where they may be able to quit, but it shouldn't be. It should be hard to do. They should have to face the music themselves, and uh, and in many cases, they should stay until the very end because of that session or season because. Right. They but said on they the were stick other to it. hand, 
especially as your kids get older, there's this sort of fallacy of sunk cost where if they've been playing baseball for six years, um, which, you know, you could be at this point, you could have been doing that when you're 12, Mm -hmm. that they feel like they should keep playing baseball because they've invested all this time or you do. They've invested all this time and you've bought all these batting coaches and they've gone to special baseball summer camp and all your friends in the spring um, are, you know, are also going to the baseball travel stuff. And Mm -hmm. it would be a huge change for your family to to stop doing it. Um, You you have to try to take that stuff out of the equation with a kid who's ready to not do baseball. Right. Um, Or, or, you know, or to try a different sport or to stop for a year. It's it's really it's it's okay to quit something that you've been doing for six years, especially if you're only 13. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I know you mentioned, though, in your book, you said something like, you know, that people were, I feel like I read this, that people were upset when they the parent didn't say you should continue doing piano or whatever it was. Like, I feel like I read that from you. That yeah, yeah, you of, definitely hear that from adults. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to sort of look... Like, some some of those adults need to go, well, it's not actually that I wanted to take the piano lessons. It's that I'd like to be able to play now. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Which I would totally like to be able to Wouldn't play Wouldn't that now, be so but cool? But I don't want to. Yeah. So well, if you could just bestow that on me, mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Yeah, so um, that was more like someone had quit because they hated an element of it. Uh, she hated the performances. Yes. She hated the recitals, but she didn't hate the playing and the practicing. So that's a, that's. I'm glad you brought up, that up because – the question of why someone is quitting, mm-hmm. like if, so for example, if your kid's quitting baseball because they don't like the pressure of a team that has to win all the time, mm-hmm. maybe, there, maybe there's another fun, you know, maybe there's a more fun league, right? Um, you know, and the piano is a great example. Or if they don't want to do singing because they don't like to do it in front of a lot of people, but maybe they'd like being in a choir. Mm-hmm. So... Good point. You know, help them yes. explore whether or not there's there's other ways to sort of do it if if they still right. are loving it. They really like it or they need a different coach or they need a different teacher or somebody that mm-hmm. is less pressured or whatever it is. Okay. Right. All right. I think the big thing we're avoiding is that sort of, you know, impulsive, angry, I'm quitting because the coach oh, didn't yes. put me in today. Right. <laughs> he must hate me. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. terrible. And they, everybody else is so much better than I am. Okay, good. So, you know, taking your kids here and there often necessitates that you wait around and sometimes you watch and sometimes you really want to watch. But in your book, you say, don't be that parent, the parent Mm -hmm. who sort of pressures or evaluates or gives pointers and feedback. So can you just uh, give us a couple of words on that about the dangers of providing commentary and what you put in air quote air quotes as constructive feedback, um, as you mentioned in your book. What's what's the deal with that and and sports and music and, and whatever else people would give constructive feedback on? These lovely, lovely coaches did some really uh, great research where they got it together. A lot of kids and they asked them, um, "What do you like least about the game?" And um, Again, I don't remember the percentage, but it was a large one in mm-hmm. the 80s. Percent said uh, the ride home. Mm, oh, so sad. Isn't it? Oh. Isn't it? Because on the ride home, 
the parent, that's when it's happening, the constructive criticism <sighs> or the negative commentary about the coach or the referee or the other game. You know, you think that's supportive. Well, you know, you guys would have had it if it hadn't been for that terrible ref, but it doesn't feel good. Oh, no. Um, kids that's don't terrible. like it. Mm-hmm. And there's another, there's a, just the best thing to say is I love to watch you play. Mm-hmm. I hope, you know, I hope you enjoyed being out there today. I enjoyed watching you play. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much, you know, let's go get ice cream, basically, especially when they're young. If they want to talk, you know, you you can get into that because, you know, you're listening. But it's it's much more like, oh, yeah, I hear you. That must have been really frustrating to feel that about the ref Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, kids whose parents are doing that are the ones that are likely to quit for reasons that don't have a lot to do with the sport Mm -hmm. and that do have a lot to do with the parts that they're not having fun with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we don't realize, we think we're sort of joining in when we're really um, putting pressure on. Right. Right. And making things worse uh, rather than better, which I I think our intention in that scenario would be, uh, you know, if my child just knew that they could move their foot in this other way so that, you know, they could kick the ball that much further or, you know, do the flip in them, you know, this much better, that, that it would be helpful to them. But, right. Uh, no, our intentions are pure, but the results don't seem to reflect that. Yes. Oh, it's so sad. And that's a that's a great reference, that study, because it, it really helps to put it in perspective that even though our intention is good, they really don't want to hear that from us. And they have a coach. So, you know. And most kids say that they would get out there and play if no one was watching. Mm-hmm. They would get out there and play if no one was keeping score. And that's where you want your kid to be. Yes. You yes. know, you, you, if they're playing because you're watching, then, then something is wrong. Yeah. My daughter said to me that she was going to try out for the play this summer at camp. Now she's never tried out for the play and she doesn't particularly like performing in front of other people, but she said she was going to try out for the play and she totally did. I was Mm -hmm. so proud of her, but she said uh, it was because there would be like really no adults watching. It was just going to be kids and it would be fun. And, and, and I think that, you know, she, isn't that telling? Yes. Like no pressure. Like not that she's ever (laughs) performing in front of us anyway, um, because that's not what she typically chooses to do, but she, not only did she try out for the play, she learned the guitar and played in a rock band in front of the whole camp. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that really does put it in perspective that, you know, she she will do all these different types of things if there, you know, that pressure isn't there. And maybe well, she feels like people uh, won't evaluate her then. They'll just enjoy well, it. And adults, well-meaning adults, you know, they're, they're like, oh, you were so great with your guitar. Do you want to be a rock star when you grow up? <laughs> like you know, or, or, oh, you know, I could really, uh, I, I could hear you. You were so, or just whatever. It's kind of like, I don't know about you, but um, as we're recording this, my kids haven't gone back to school yet. They go back next week. And I can't tell you. I mean, I basically just don't want them to interact with adults at this point because they all say, are you looking forward to going back to school? Oh, of course. No. 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 Why would they be looking forward to going back to school? And then, of course, what do we say? But then you're going to see all your friends and you'll be better uh, than it is. just just slap people. And my poor son, my oldest is a junior in high school, so he's going into his senior oh, year. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the first thing you would ask him? Right. So where are you thinking about college? I want to carry cards around that say, 
please don't ask my son where he's thinking about going to college. You know, A, it could be like a really stressful topic for him. Yes. And B, you're like the 12th person that's asked him that today. <laughs> oh, gosh. So just, just don't. Yes. Just don't. <laughs> just, just stop. Don't. Yeah. It always helps when you try to put it in perspective. And you're like, you know those things that you're worried about right now? Would you want somebody, like some random person, right. like a friend of a friend of a friend to come up to you and ask you about it right so now? How do you feel about that promotion you're trying for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thinking about that you know that cancer test you had just stop stop please stop make it stop (laughs) very valid and important for us let's all just take that in all of us as I know that people I can feel it like they're listening and they're like oh right that makes complete sense I have felt myself almost saying that because you know you don't know what else to say the the 17 year old who's now towering you over over you that you haven't seen since they were three other than wow you're a lot taller now yes exactly. Um, I get it I get it but oh I'm just not going I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with like a list of you know so which do you like better Hershey's regular (laughs) or Hershey's special just alternative (laughs) topics would you mind you know gone to any good concerts lately I mean anything else. (laughs) So why don't you give us your top tip? Top tip with regard to dealing with scheduling downtime, you know, activities, you know, what's what's to come? I might just my top tip is to to put it on the list, like to think of it as a thing. Um, to, to, to think of that extra hour you need at night and that your kids need at night to, to just feel like you're off the clock and nobody expects it, anything of you mm. as like something that you put like a block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my downtime. Right. Yeah. And this is their downtime to, to not, um, don't fill all, don't fill all the, don't fill all the hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an important tip to bring to to bring to light so that we don't feel like every every hour needs to be taken over by something constructive or productive that you know sometimes there's there's something really to say about having nothing to do. We get great ideas, we get great re- relaxation, a great time to get together connection during those times and and there's something to say for that. So yeah, I appreciate well, everything that. you say yes to is no to no to family time, mm-hmm. no to downtime. Um, and, you know, maybe we want to say yes to that. Mm. Yes. That is a quote that we were going to have to put on a meme. Thank you for that. <laughs> Highlighting that. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, your new book, everything that you provide in terms of resources? Uh, you can find me at kjdelantonia.com. You can also find me at howtobeahappierparent.com. And, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place right now. You are. You are all <laughs> over the place right now. And having fun with it. Good. I'm glad. And we appreciate all those resources you've been providing. Uh, everybody, there's uh, there's things, more information on homework. There's more information on scheduling. There's more information on downtime. Um, it's all over you the know, place. You know, I actually have a video and I, I have, there's, there's an extra, I did a whole, there's like a, an excerpt, there's a chunk about homework in the book that didn't fit. Oh. It was about advocating for changes in homework, mm-hmm. which you and I didn't talk to, mm-hmm. but sometimes, um, you know, your kid really needs to, to advocate for change, and sometimes parents need to advocate for mm-hmm. change, and it just didn't fit. 
So it's on my website under resources. Mm -hmm. And similarly, there's a whole thing about scheduling um, that's on there as well. So, well, I will have links to your website and, uh, into this because people are probably driving or running or doing all kinds of things while they're listening to this podcast. So don't worry. Um, we will have that on the show notes and all the different highlights from this podcast will be on there. I want to thank you so much, KJ, for your insight and your strategies and your scripting. I think what you bring to light is incredibly important in terms of overscheduling and specifically what you just said at the end that, you know, what you're saying yes to is saying no to something else and and really taking that in uh, because uh, we have a lot of pressure on parents and kids to to fill their schedules and we really don't need to uh, fill it with all those extra things when what we really sometimes want is just some downtime and some connection time. So thank you so very much for all of that today. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. Let's discuss it on drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so that other people can learn about the outstanding solutions that are provided by KJ Delantonia and some of our other experts. Use them in their own homes, their own schools. I truly appreciate I'm also on Instagram. So is KJ. So get up on there. We'll be putting memes up there from this podcast um, and from the show notes. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, I hope you'll go to drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there. Great show notes. I cannot even believe the experts that are on this podcast. They just provide so much really, really good, useful information. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the when you fall short. You've got this. I know you heard things today when you're thinking, oof, I've done that. I'm doing that. I'm doing that right now. And it's okay. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting, it's the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.